and welcome to the How CMOs Commit podcast. I'm Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel & Gale. This is a podcast to explore how the world's top CMOs are building their brands and the professional commitments they are making as leaders. This podcast is a recording of our Future of Branding series. From the decisions facing CMOs to the commitments they are forging, the conversations are uniquely vulnerable and strategic. Please be sure to listen to the end when I provide my reflections. This is how CMOs commit. Hello and welcome to the Siegel and Gale Future of Branding Roundtable. Every episode, we meet five marketing leaders to explore how they're building their brands. I'm your host, Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel & Gale. Siegel & Gale is a preeminent brand strategy, design and experience firm. During this time of year, many of us revisit the works of Charles Dickens. An annual ritual in our household is to attend a stage production of A Christmas Carol. In 2020, I find Dickens' other classic, Great Expectations, to be most resonant. In the words of the character Estella, suffering has been stronger than all other teaching. I have been bent and broken, but I hope into a better shape. This year, we have all, though not equally, experienced suffering. We have all been bent and had our habits broken. As we approach a new year, many of us have great expectations to emerge better as individuals, as brands, as citizens. And what about as marketers? What has happened to customer expectations? To explore this, I'm joined live by five marketing leaders from across the globe. I'll open with today's in a word question, move to individual conversations with the CMOs, return to all for our commitments round, and as ever, conclude with my reflections. To our audience, I invite you to respond in the chat function or on Twitter using hashtag Future of Branding. So here's our opening question. In a word, what is your greatest learning from 2020 when it comes to brand building? So with that question, let's meet our CMOs and I'd like to extend a warm welcome to our first CMO, Lynn Bigger, CMO and Chief Communications Officer at Visa. A very good morning, Lynn. Hi, Margaret. It's great to be here. And your word. I'm going to cheat and say three words, which is grounded in purpose. Hyphenated word, Lynn. There you go. That's Love right. it. Okay, no more cheating. That's the cheating uh, vote used up. Uh, let's go from New York over to Basel, Switzerland, to our friend Patricia Corsi, who leads global marketing and digital for Bayer Consumer Goods or Bayer, depending on where your accent skews. Uh, good morning, Patricia. 
morning and good afternoon for, for the ones that are on this side of the pond. Of course, the job of the CMOs is not to leave the other one alone. So I will follow Lynn and I'm also going to have uh, a couple of words. So feeling comfortable with discomfort. This is a tough crowd. No other group has challenged my one word question. So Seth Solomon, CMO of Equinox, back to New York. Your one, your one word learning and a very good afternoon, Seth. Hello, Margaret. I will stick to your ask. Uh, my one word is deliver. Deliver. Okay, let's now go to San Mateo, California, where I see our friend Andrea Clack Rogers Vernado, recent head of strategy for Macy's. Your one word. Service. Service. And finally, Reem Abedo leads global go-to-market at LinkedIn. Reem. Community. Okay, so a lovely range of words there to keep in our minds as we welcome back Lynn for an individual conversation. So Lynn, uh, Visa, leader in global payments, a brand that has a very interesting perspective on how our habits and behaviors might be changing given your visibility. Tell us, why did you choose the hyphenated word that you did? Well, I chose Grounded in Purpose because it's really guided everything we've done since uh, the beginning of the pandemic and will guide everything we've done going forward. What we found, you know, starting in March is the incredible need for us to help individuals and businesses and economies through an unprecedentedly difficult situation and enable commerce. So Good example is, you know, the, the mad rise in e-commerce that we've all seen, you know, decades of, of change wrapped into nine months. Um, and Visa has had a very important place in, in being there. For example, in Latin America, e-commerce is not common. We had to help and support consumers to understand um, how to actually uh, transact online and that it was safe and secure so they could get basic needs, you know, groceries, things like that when folks were sheltered um, at home. In, in, in many other markets, it's about tapping to pay and convincing folks that face-to-face -face commerce was safe because you didn't have to touch anything. It's been a really uh, eye-opening and interesting time, I think, for us to just ground ourselves right back in the heart of what Visa is, which is a, a, pay, a payment technology cut, a company and a trusted engine of commerce. Lynn, you mentioned your purpose. How would you articulate Visa's purpose? Well, our purpose is, is really kind of centered in a, in a belief, which is that we believe that economies that include everyone everywhere uplift everyone everywhere. And so this notion of really what goes to the heart of our brand, which is inclusivity, acceptance, the idea of possibility, um, moving forward and enabling. And then within that, really, we, we have a mission as well, which is all about just connecting the world of buyers and sellers so that we can enable individuals, businesses, and economies to thrive. You mentioned contactless payment and other evolutions rapidly over this period. Of those habits, do you, what do you see sticking and do you see a meaningful shift in customers' expectations? In your category, of course, there's always that balance between removing friction and maintaining security. How are you navigating that tension? 
I think, well, you know, interestingly, security has has been there and has never been stronger, um, particularly during this time. A lot of it is really just education of of consumers and in case in certain cases of small businesses. So we have, I think, pretty much every change that's occurred, at least in our space, is going to stick. We in the U.S., where many of us sit, the notion of tapping to pay at a in a physical location is not a common notion. Pretty much everywhere else in the world, it's a very common notion. So we, you know, the U.S., other markets continue to evolve down that path, and the U.S. has made some great strides, and I expect we'll continue to make strides, you know, as we go forward. Um, when we started the pandemic, something like 50% of, of all small businesses did not have an ability to accept payments online. They might've had a website, but they weren't selling. So when we went into lockdowns around the world, you know, we worked really hard to get to small businesses to help them become digitally enabled so that they their businesses could continue. And that obviously will continue. So I see very little, at least from the, the business that we're in, that, will, that won't continue to advance um, out of the pandemic. And what are the implications of those new behaviors on your brand building plans for 2021 and beyond? We will continue to focus on the things that are at the heart and the core of our brand. I, I think, um, you know, we are we will be there with individuals and businesses and economies as we move out of the pandemic, hopefully in 2021 and work to refire businesses and economies so that individuals can thrive. And I think coming back to really the core essence of our brand and our purpose which is what we're here to do to enable individuals, businesses, and economies to thrive is, is really fueling and driving everything that we're doing as we look forward into 21 and beyond. I know small businesses and women are a population that you have particular passion for supporting. Anything you'd like to share there? Yeah, I mean, women, with the intersection of that, women small business owners have before the pandemic started, we're disproportionately disadvantaged in terms of seeking funding, and it hasn't gotten any better during the pandemic. So we've had a whole bunch of, of activities and programs centered around female small business owners. We've given out grants to small business owners around the world. We've um, helped them with, with content and, and ability to get their business rolling. We've done the same more broadly with small business owners, and we have a lot more to do. But the spotlight from Visa of, of really globally around the world is on hashtag where you shop matters. And that's all about uh, shopping locally and, and enabling small business owners to continue to, to exist and to build their businesses and to grow. Thank you for that, Lynn. So now let's go back to Basel, Switzerland to greet again Patricia Corsi, Global Head of Marketing and Digital, as I mentioned at Bayer. So what was your word and remind us why you selected it? Uh, feeling comfortable with discomfort. I think this is the this is the year where I think we were all, you know, every, all our plans were turned upside down. And then it went to a win wheel and then came out and then it went again. So 
you know, I think marketing and sales and digital has always been, you know, very flexible and agile areas, but I think we were put to a test this year. So for me, it was this, this concept of being open, vulnerable, that things are changing in a much faster pace and predictions are, are, are not something that you can rely as much as you did before and, and feeling comfortable with that. You know, uh, we are in the health business. So uh, Lynn was talking about the impact on people's life from, you know, when they were in lockdown. For us, it was personal to everyone as well, you know. So if you think about the shift that happened in health, it was incredible. You know, most of us, we would say that depending on what's the health situation, you would treat it more like a reactive thing. So if I get something, then I will look at it. And now everybody went on turbocharge mode. Everybody is overreacting, overprotecting. But it's, you know, there's so many gaps there to be taken care of. Uh, and I think there is a big role for all of us, as Lynn was saying, you know, there is a role for, for a company like Visa to help the, the small owners. Uh, and there is a big, uh, it's a big role for us in Bayer to to really uh, help people and with their health and with their self-care. Now at Bayer, 150-year-old company, a variety of iconic brands. Has your storytelling at all changed during this period? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and I have two wonderful examples that I want to share because I think the silver lining of all of this is that this brings us an opportunity to be bolder to be better and that's why i said you need to be comfortable with the discomfort and and two things that uh, i i'm really proud of and there is one that we have done with our uk business you know people now they're at home and some of us and some of them are overindulging food beverages etc social distancing i'm latin so I'm, I'm really struggling with the social distancing and we have a product that helps with that and the bold move that, you know, our agency partners did and the UK, UK business did is that, well, let's not do something normal. Let's do something where really people are. And we connected the love for food with the love. And we had a, an amazing partnership with Tinder. And I tell you, in the health industry, nobody would ever think that something that helps you with indigestion would have a good match with Tinder. And I tell you, it's wonderful. And I'm super proud of the team because I don't think if that had happened, we would have been going there. And there is something a little bit more uh, deeper, let me say, because there was something about service and community that I, I love when, when you both said those words, Adria and Ren. We have some products that help women with their intimate health problems. And, you know, my fellow Brazilians, so I'm from Brazil, and 60% of the women in Brazil, they will be extremely embarrassed even to say the word vagina, yeah? And to, to tell their doctors they have a problem. So they are more at home. They are suffering more violence. So we said we need to do something. And, and I'm, again, super proud of the work that we have done uh, with another uh, great partners of ours, and we are just launching Vagina Academy. Shame-free place for all women to learn, uh, young women to learn about uh, their intimate areas. You can be educated, you can ask questions. It's a place that helps women to, you know, get out of the taboo and, and, and really live uh, better lives. And I think this is a change, a dramatic change on storytelling. If you look at the health industry, we are not well known by being 
bold and creative. Uh, normally, people use health advertising to make fun of lack of creativity. So for me, this is a massive change on storytelling, and I'm super, super proud of our both our teams, uh, you know, globally, and in this case, in the UK and in Brazil. What was the brand that uh, engaged in the partnership with Tinder? The inter Remy. Remy. Ah, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. It was Remy with Melon Low, and then it was Caniston in Brazil with Analog Folks. Marvelous. These were our partners. Certainly ones to watch in terms of brave moves. From the learnings from those experiences and what you've observed in general around people's expectations of healthcare, have you made any changes to your brand building plans for next year? Yes, I think we are obviously turbocharging, you know, digital commerce, not just, you know, and I think this cross section between uh, e-commerce and social media, I think this is getting really a blur line. If you look at the tests on e-commerce in WhatsApp in Brazil, I think this is bringing a whole new set. And it's fantastic to hear Lynn talking about trust and reliability because in some countries people really fear to use online uh, buying. So I think this is a really important development. But for me, the, the other thing that we are uh, really looking at is how what is going to happen when the point of sales had such a, 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 an important role with innovation. For lots of our categories, where, and, and there are many studies on that, is not advertising, is, is the point of sales where people really get to see the innovation, the line extensions, the new brands, the new products touch and feel and, and try, you know, uh, Andrea is going to talk about Macy. So, and when people want to go to a pharmacy, drugstore or supermarket, they want to come in and get out the fastest possible how people getting this information because when you look online everyone is a little bit the same in the supermarket in the store you almost have that you know who is the market leader you know the brands you trust because you can see the shelf space etc online everyone is the same so how do you bring that trust that confidence in our case that scientific backing um, when everyone is the same Yes, yeah, so I think there's a, a big challenge that we take to next year. And then obviously we are going to be focusing a lot on that. Fascinating articulation of that challenge. Thank you, Patricia. So let's now go to perhaps another dimension of healthcare as we greet Seth Solomons, marketing leader at Equinox, luxury fitness, membership, clubs, brands that we all appreciate, certainly here in New York and elsewhere, including SoCycle, Blink and the Equinox Hotel. So you mentioned deliver Seth as your word of choice. Perhaps you would share with us the, that that decision. Yes, yes. So, so on March sixteenth and seventeenth, we were basically shut down. So all one hundred and six locations were closed, and um, we had to fi figure out very quickly how we were going to deliver both for our members and for our employees. It, it was pretty earth shattering to say the least and deliver. So the, the baseline of deliver was just a very transparent over communication. 
at the foundation um, and delivering for our employees was so critical because for the first time, maybe in their careers, some of these people have spent 29 years with Equinox. Um, they were furloughed. So we need to make sure that we were staying close to employees and then delivery for our members became a very stressful but incredibly innovative quest to stay present in their lives, to help them be their best selves. And we innovated a tremendous amount of new services and products. Uh, we brought to life something called the Daily Check-In, which put together our content and communication teams for the first time. We created a virtual training suite. So we began to offer virtual personal training, virtual Pilates, virtual yoga, um, where we had never offered that before. We created something we called the Equinox Standard, which was a total reinvention. We fast-tracked our digital product. So for the first time, we are offering a fully omni in-club and digital experience. So delivering for us was all about staying present and adding value in the lives of both our employees who were you know, differently affected, but our members as well. And thank you for that. One of the innovations I observed in the Hamptons, but now in New York City, is the outdoor opportunity you're providing for some members, the Equinox in the wild. And, and that's intriguing. So I appreciate how restaurants are doing it, but we have some culture already with dining al fresco. How is weightlifting al fresco going? It's actually going very well. Um, and in, in markets, um, like California, we're about to open our third um, experience outdoor. Um, pe people are very much enjoying that we're showing up in support of them, um, first and foremost. A lot of our members get very close with their personal trainers, with the teams on the ground in each of their clubs. So uh, not only are we delivering outdoor fitness, but we're delivering this reconnection over time. So today we've got five clubs um, outdoor in the wild locations. We'll probably have closer to seven or eight as we take a step back and look at business impact. And as I said, in markets like California, we can't keep members out. We've had a tremendous reactivation, a, a very big positive for the business. And finally, Seth, I recognize that while some of the experiences may be challenged that are indoors, how are you connecting? The need to connect is still there with the members. What would you uh, swiftly suggest has been most pivotal there? So we have a very multi time. We've also in a chat, we've created a concierge to serve markets that are coming online and are being shut down. It's, it's actually pretty dynamic. So we're using the app, we're using the concierge, we're using email, we're using in-club, we're arming our club teams with uh, communications from corporate. So trying to understand how to best connect on our, our members' terms, it, it's, it's very multi in its orientation. Well, thank, thank you for that, Seth. Uh, finally, before I go to our next speaker, did you work out this morning? I did. I was on my soul bike early.
God, we need some accountability here. Thank you for that, Seth. Bravo. So let's now go where it's early in the morning to Andrea Clark, Rogers Bernardo, recent head of strategy at Macy's. So talk to us, Andrea. Tell us about your word. I know you mentioned service, certainly one that I can identify with. Why did you select that as an important learning this past year? I've been um, in consumer and retail brands for several years, and over time in retail, service has become a more important part of our selling experience. And so uh, you might think of buy online, pick up in store, um, even styling services in store. However, service really took on a new approach uh, in COVID as we started to think about the trade-offs that our customers are making. As someone mentioned earlier, employees are furloughed. We're seeing unemployment at a higher level. There are, while as many businesses have closed, there have been so many new businesses that have come about. And so how do we think about the unique value proposition that we have for our customers and not just saying you should buy our products, but really how can we help you make this product or this decision when you're making so many trade-offs more palatable? And so really it becomes of how can we be of service to you? What can we bring? And so you've seen in some of the brands I've worked with, like Williams, Sonoma, and Macy's, how we brought curbside delivery, how we partnered with DoorDash or other delivery services for same-day delivery, recognizing that with stores being closed, that is now an issue for customers who need their product and there's some that still need it immediately. And so service has really been a resounding theme about how can we have service to our customers, but also to our employees who are going through um, a really challenging time as well, whether it's home care, financial, or even working from home. Much has been made, even before the pandemic, of dire predictions around retail and foot traffic. This is the story seems to be accelerated with the much documented discussion around e-commerce and digital. Where's your perspective on the role of retail more broadly going forward? Oh, Margaret, this is one of my favorite topics, and I will try and keep this to less than two minutes. But you're absolutely right. We've been seeing these apocalyptic uh, proclamations of retail for a decade now. Foot traffic's dying, stores are closing. And frankly, we've seen a lot of beloved brands close. However, um, when you look at the numbers, we see consumer spending continuing to increase. And while much has been made about digital disruption in a really important way, at the end of 2019, only 12% of sales were done online. Granted, that changes by sub-industry, but I think it's really important to keep in perspective when we're making these broad brush strokes. What I will say is that Customers are shopping. They're just shopping in different ways. And so the role that I think retail will continue to play, don't shoot the messenger. I do think that as things come across, people will still come to stores, but the stores will be fulfilling a different need. And so there are a couple of things, or I'd say three things that I think of when I think about the role that stores play, and they play many more, but one it's the touch and feel. And so whether you have an interview tomorrow or whether you're buying a piece of furniture, these are complex decisions that you wanna feel confident about. And while there's certainly tools to enable that decision online, sometimes you just wanna touch and feel it. You won't always go to a store, but maybe sometimes you will. Another area is the immediacy. Um, sometimes you need something today. You can't wait <laughs> for shipping to get there. And frankly, we're all working on same day delivery anyway, but that is another area. Area. 
And then the final piece is expertise. We have amazing marketing teams that are doing such a great job at communicating the product, the value, the fit, all of those things. However, sometimes you just want to talk to someone. You want to go there and say, hey, I want to be healthier. I can't decide between should I get a blender or a food processor? And you just want someone who knows and can tell you buy this one. Because if you start going through reviews and you start searching it online, you can get lost in all of the options. So we are looking at ways to bring those services and those needs online from stores, especially in this environment. But I do think that there's still a fundamental need of stores. We likely won't have as many in the future, but they will still be there. Sounds like you're assuming a sort of hybrid model with each channel serving a different purpose, but being complementary, Andrea. Yes, that's true. And I think hybrid is the, we've used so many words. We've used omni and everything else, but you're right. Um, and what we also have to mention is while we want to say this channel is for this specific service or item, we also have to recognize that our customers are different. There are some customers, believe it or not, where this is the first year they've been able to shop online or they need it to. And frankly, we've added so many advancements they're probably lost when it comes online. And so we still have to make it easy for those customers while still involving some of those advanced tools. And so, yes, it will continue to be um, in a hybrid model even more so than it has been in the, the last few years. I think any of us who've had the experience, be it at Macy's or Williams-Sonoma or elsewhere, where a trusted sales associate can provide guidance, that's, that's quite a remarkable experience and not easy, terribly easy to replicate online. Uh, an interesting challenge and opportunity. In listening to you and also hearing Seth, it strikes me that so many of us are in the hospitality business, really. It's making people feel welcome and making them feel at home to give them comfort in their transactions or their membership. That's very true. When I think about what the brands that I've worked for stand for, it's really about lifestyle. How can we enable you to live the unique life that you want to live? Whether you're at home and you need comfort or you're celebrating, or whether you have a first interview or a wedding that you're going to, how can we make you feel like you are at your best so that you can accomplish all of the things that you want to? Well, thank you for that, Andrea. And uh, jumping off your word interview is a good segue for us to meet Reem Abedo, uh, Marketing Lead at LinkedIn. Marvelous professional network. I'd venture to say most of our audience are members. It's been around for a number of years, now owned by LinkedIn. And of course, you have, if my memory serves, over 700 million members across the world. Tell us uh, why you picked community as your word. We can speculate, but tell us why you chose it. It's really interesting because it's actually rooted in our vision as a company. LinkedIn's vision is to create economic opportunity for every member of the workforce. And that is actually the inspiring reason why everybody who works at LinkedIn works there. That's the purpose. So if you think about community and how to actually help professionals become more productive and successful, it requires a community, right? It's a community where you are able to learn, you're able to grow, you're able to network, you're able to advertise. It's about bringing members closer and closer together. And that manifests itself in the products that we offer. 
it manifests itself in the experiences we create, the conversations that occur on our platform. And it's actually really interconnected with our tagline, which is in it together. And it's really funny because we've had the in it together tagline for a very long time because it's about members being in it together. It's about customers and members being in it together. It's about LinkedIn as a platform being in it together with the members and customers. So it's really the environment around truly creating a real trusted community for members to have a thriving experience and professional growth. Now, you have a very interesting perspective in terms of the data at your disposal at LinkedIn. What are you seeing in terms of changes, if any, in your members' behavior on the platform? Of course, it's been widely documented, the number of professionals who have been uh, subject to job loss in the last number of months. What are you seeing? And you also, of course, have that jobs report. So talk to us about the macro trends and observations. Sure. Um, It's actually really interesting because it's manifesting itself in this conversation right now. Lynn had, I think your cat or was it your dog on your lap as you're petting a cat or a dog? It was a cat and I didn't know you could see. So sorry about that. No, that's great. (laughs) Because what we're seeing on our platform and the engagements really soaring, but we've seen a really critical trend, which is blurring the realms of home and work. Right. We've actually seen um, LinkedIn members juggling the demands of their families and their jobs. Personal health and well-being is a priority as they're taking care of their loved ones. Our members are also searching for ways to make their lives simple, safe and stable. We've just released a, a research that shows that our members are truly trying to take back control of their lives, but understanding that, you know, the the conversation and the engagement is evolving. In fact, when you look at our platform before, it was incredibly professional in its tone, but now you're seeing more and more people sharing about their lives, bringing you into their homes. You're seeing people going like, this is my new, you know, work-life balance. You're seeing children in conference calls. I mean, my son may pop up at any point, even though I told him not to come up to tell me to give him the new iPad passcode. But that's, you know, that is the life that we have. And you're seeing that engaging quite a bit. And we're actually seeing that manifest in the engagement on our products, right? Like, for example, you're seeing brands wanting to show up even more authentically, leaders and executives being incredibly vulnerable. You're seeing the interactions between members and between different companies coming together to support one another. And it's incredibly inspiring because what you're seeing is virtual experiences growing, like for in-person events have have gone away in lieu for virtual events and how are people connecting through that? That's all evolving and transforming on our platform. And the most important thing is that we're unlocking and helping people connect with jobs and find jobs. We're helping brands tell their stories. We're helping people learn skills through our learning platform while they're waiting for a job or they're looking for a job. And there's so much power in that. You can tell I'm really passionate about the purpose of our brand and what we deliver. And you have visibility to what jobs are becoming open, as it were. Any interesting trend to note there in terms of 
uh, job search. I recognize at the end of the year, at the beginning of a new year, that's often an important resolution for people. Well, it's more than just jobs, right? Like there is a lot of changes that are happening across the board. We actually, I want to take a step back from that question and give you the macro environment, if you don't mind. When we actually, when COVID hit, we started seeing brands break up into three critical areas. Number one, business disrupted. That is where companies face severe revenue and profitability challenges, right? Customer uh, customer demand declined, IT and technology costs were cut, and also reorganizations or big layoffs. That's one. The second is business unusual. This is what we call it. And that is where you're having to develop creative solutions to actually overcoming some of the uh, volatile customer needs. And so what you're seeing is big changes in employment and trends in terms of like reorganization and refocus on critical areas and prioritization more than ever before. And the third thing, which is what we call business evolved. And that is the brands that actually thrived during COVID. Think about, you know, Slack or about Zoom, right? And that is where they were able to adapt quickly and offer differentiated services so they can actually unlock greater um, value. These brands grew, right? And so there were more jobs, there were um, more demand, and you saw their advertising evolve. Of course, we saw disrupted and unusual much more so than evolved, but that is changing. And we're seeing quite a bit of recovery happening and there's more of a balance occurring in the business. So from, a, you know, it's it's a larger macro environment than just jobs, right? LinkedIn offers three, four critical areas, which is marketing, sales, learning, and talent. Okay. Th- thank you very much for that, Reem. And thank, th- thank you and your team for everything you do to make the platform available to all of us. So let's go back to the beginning again, starting with Lynn. And I'd love to hear your predictions. This is the crystal ball moment. So what do you predict will be most important to your customers and in turn drive your growth in 2021? And part B of the question, your professional resolution to serve the customers and potentially avail of that growth. So that's the hard question I'd like Lynn to lead us off with, please. Okay, great. So part A, which is what's most important to our customers. So keep in mind that while Visa is a very well-known global brand by with consumers, our customers are B, really B2B customers. So they're, they're merchants, there's banks, they're acquirers, they're insurance companies, they're really anybody who's, who's attempting to receive or give payments. So it's a, it's a vast array of customers. And I would say the most important thing really for us to deliver to our customers is confidence. Um, confidence in, in the security of a, a transaction that goes back and forth across, around the world or around the, around the corner and that they can have trust in that and that they have equal access to the capabilities in, in digital payments as, as anybody else would. A small business owner has access to the same capabilities that a huge global company would. That I think is the most important for us just to, it's always been true, but to continue to instill and as I, I talked about before, really just elevate 
small businesses around the world in ways that can help bring our economies back. It's they're really the backbone of all of our economies and and helping them through this pandemic and come out of it is so important. Part B, I think it was what what is my resolution or one of my resolutions to support those customers. And that's really to drive forward with purpose, to stay focused on what's important. We have a lot planned for our brand. Uh, We did before the pandemic. We've made a lot of progress in the last nine months, and we will continue to make progress going forward and to to drive that forward with focus and purpose on what's going to matter. Any prediction, Lynn, for 2021 in your category? Well, I'm an optimist and it's been hard to be an optimist for the last nine months, but I predict that, you know, what is a bit of a a hard thing to do now, which is um, travel across borders by the end of FY21 will be something that we all can appreciate and do again, both for commerce reasons as well as for personal reasons. So fingers crossed that that will come true. Beautiful prediction. I think we're all rooting for that one. So, Patricia, same question to you. What do you predict will be most important to your consumers or people in healthcare and in the year ahead and your professional resolutions there? So when I'm thinking about um, our customers first, I think data is data, data, data. I think it's it's super helpful because uh, it, it's so complex now to navigate and cash, it's really short for our customers. So they don't have that much to spare buying products that they don't have any, any notion if it's going to sell or not. Agility and flexibility to change is another one because, you know, some of the some of the categories are, are completely shifting the their behaviors and patterns. Some brands that you know we have seen brands that were really I'm going to say har- hibernating, not dying, that suddenly come out because people when they are in lockdown they resource to products that they didn't use to for many years. So I think this having this agility and flexibility to adapt and change is going to be critical. And on the other hand, this openness and courage to experiment. I think the one thing that uh, I would like to predict that it will keep being important to keep experimenting. Because sometimes on these situations, people start being risk averse. This delays development, this delays some of the progress. So um, I, I'm really looking forward to, to the continued openness and courageous of of our business, our companies, our customers, and our consumers as well. You saw the people that said, I'm never going to use e-commerce. They are buying everything online. So I think there's these things that I think are going to be important. If I think about your second question, the professional commitment, it might sound very basic, uh, but it's I time to think. Sometimes when you're in the middle of the this hamster wheel, you don't have time to think. And I think more than ever, we need time to think. We need time just to, to step back and, and look again and, and look at the pers- of the options. And the things are moving so fast that uh, I found that this, this time to think, and I'm doing this on my personal resolution, that is to be at my best health in many, many, I'm going to say years, but I should say decades, but I want to be on my best health and this walking around and this exercise and the, and the Fitbit competition within my team, 
are things that are also helping me to get this time to think. Abrigada. Thank you, Patricia. Okay, Seth. So, Seth, I know that's music to your ears. I know uh, high performance is always an orientation that inspires you. So, so talk to us about uh, what you're seeing in terms of predictions from member expectations going forward and what would be important to them in the coming year and how you resolve to support those. So we're very focused on helping people be their best self. And I think the the way we're going to do that, I think we'll be a little bit more aggressive as we look at 2021. I think we have an opportunity to help people not only be their fittest self, but also their most mindful self, their most cultured self, conscious. There's a lot we can do to help people be their best self. I think the other thing that will not go away is the focus on safety and the environment in which we interact. Our clubs have always been the safest, the healthiest, the cleanest, but we, we will need to continue to double down as our members will never go back to a world where they don't notice how clean, how safe an environment is. So we'll continue to invest in helping people be their best self and the environment online and um, in our clubs to do that. I think, you know, your second question for me, resolution wise, um, is to try to not lose the perspective of this really challenging year. I think from it comes a lot of really interesting lessons that could go wayside very quickly as people come back. And um, if I come back to the word deliver, staying focused on how we deliver for our members, for our employees, and making sure that they can be their best selves. Thank you very much for that, Seth. So, Andrea, let's go back to you and retail. What are Absolutely. you seeing? What are you predicting? And what are you resolving to do? Well, I've wanted to change my answer a few times as I've heard those before me with some really great um, predictions, but I will add on to that and say the three words that come to mind are connectedness, personalization, and inclusivity. And all of those really overlap, but it is, I think the next year will be how can we not just bring more customers into the fold, but how can we truly help them find themselves, whether it's size, lifestyle, shape, color, bringing all of those perspectives so that everyone feels connected to the brand and we can truly define a more personalized experience for them. The second question around my professional goals is on the pathway to recognizing this broad inclusivity, making sure that I am doing the work to allow customer experiences to help shape. For so long in consumer brands, we have defined the trends and we we push them forward. But I think now is the time to sit back and let customers start to tell us again what they truly need from our brands so that we can help shape it. And so I'll go along a little bit with Patricia and say really create the space to be able to make sure that we are listening as much as that we are giving. Thank you for highlighting the importance of listening and also reminding us of the importance of inclusivity as an aspiration for all of us going forward. Thank you for that, Andrea. So, Reem, you get the opportunity to close with your prediction, please. 
Sure. It's really interesting because one of the things that we're seeing quite a bit right now is brands trying to um, recover from, you know, the hit of COVID. So right now, like from a jobs perspective specifically, and I know this is a question you also asked before, one of the things that we're seeing is in the fastest growing roles, it's more in the, you know, in basically tax specialists or in receptionists or in retail associates. That's the fastest growth. We're seeing that between 300 to 500% growth since COVID hit. Demand overall continues to be really strong with salespeople, registered nurses, of course, and software engineers as, you know, digitizing and transforma- digital transformation is becoming more and more important. At the end of the day, we're seeing quite a bit of demand for reskilling, right? Um, and we're going to see that quite a bit as we go into 2025 with also adoption of technology increases. So one of the big predictions we have, not just within LinkedIn, but overall is digital transformation and the impact it has on jobs, the impact it has on the way that brands tell their stories in the way that executives connect with their members, with the members, as well as their employees. It's going to transform everything that we do and how we connect and how we grow the professionals on our platform. I was going to go exactly there. So what does that mean for your growth agenda at LinkedIn and your indeed your resolution? Resolution will be, and one thing we learned, the beautiful thing we learned is the power of agility. Um, I think Patricia was using that word earlier, is the the fast, like there's a there's a thing about moving fast and failing forward and learning quickly, right? And so in the 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 chaos of COVID, people came together in a powerful way, also within LinkedIn, how sales and marketing and product came together to revolutionize the way that we do business and the products that we want to offer. So for example, as in-person events started to go away, we came up with a product for virtual events within eight weeks. That's the digital transformation, but that's the power of agility because you're adapting to customer needs, to member needs, to really support them in their time of need. And it really comes together with all the words that everybody used to, you know, today is that that's the power of what you do through agility. Wonderful. Thank you for that, Reem. Okay, well, in thanking you very, very sincerely, here are my reflections. Today marks the final episode of season two of this Future of Branding series. Since April, across 18 round tables, I've had the privilege of interviewing 90 CMOs, as well as hosting two Generation Z and a Baby Boomer panel. We've welcomed thousands of guests from across 54 countries. We conceived this series to answer the question, how can Siegel and Gale be useful to the marketing community in a time of uncertainty? Together, we've explored themes from brand purpose to sustainability, equality, creativity, growth, and other CMO priorities. In retrospect, our conversations serve as an oral history of how brand leaders are leading in the COVID-19 crisis. 
we are very gratified by the response to the series and humbled by the generosity of you and the other CMOs who continue to join our panels. Today, we heard five CMOs share their 2021 resolutions. Most of us have a difficult time keeping our resolutions. I've developed a practice that has helped me, but may help you also. It's the practice of reflection. I've come to understand that there is no significant resolution without significant reflection. Reflection is about sense-making. It provokes us to pause, to zoom out, to identify patterns, to clarify what is essential, to make the big decisions that then cascade through our organizations and our lives. Reflection is a mechanism to channel our curiosity and our empathy. The discipline forces us to challenge assumptions and to unravel conjecture. It challenges us to be vulnerable, tolerate messiness, and accept that we don't have all the answers. Reflection is also a potent antidote to short-termism. It requires that we resist the urge to pile on and the allure of momentum in favor of real value creation. It shifts our mindsets from reacting to responding. Ultimately, reflection takes a good or a bad experience and transforms it into a valuable one by examining it. As we enter this holiday season, my gift to you is the wisdom of the renowned thinker, Peter Drucker, in the hope that you will resolve to gift yourselves and your teams the practice of regular reflection. Drucker tells us, Follow effective action with quiet reflection. From the quiet reflection will come even more effective action. Our thanks to Seth, Patricia, Lynn, Andrea, and Reem. We appreciate your sharing and look forward to tracking your progress as you live out the commitments shared today. My heartfelt thanks to our production team, led by Alison Shiver and Ashley Noonan, assisted by Mick Smith, blog editor Daniel Alonso, and designer Gisem Karatis. Thank you to Howard Belk, David Sereri, Jason Seaslack, and Philip Davies, and all our Siegel and Gale colleagues for your partnership. To our audience, Thank you for your feedback and thank you for participating in our community. And now you can all listen to all the other roundtables on your podcast platform by searching for How CMOs Commit. We'd be honored if you would subscribe, share it and rate it. And for extra credit, I would love a review. With that, on behalf of all of us at Siegel and Gale, I'm Margaret Malloy, 
thanking you and wishing you a healthy, happy and reflection-filled holiday season. Thank you for joining How CMOs Commit. You've heard the strategic insights and professional commitments of top brand builders from around the world. I hope you also enjoyed my reflections on how this conversation is relevant to all marketers. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast app. And please rate, review, and share this podcast. Until next time, this is how CMOs commit.